Welcome back to Real Talk with Rajon, and nothing's off limits. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me, and I appreciate that. I am your host, Rajon Lewis. Now, here on Real Talk with Rajon, everything's debatable, so on any given week, we could be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. You name it, we'll discuss it. Now, you also know that one of the goals of Real Talk with Rajon is to shine a light on the great things that are happening right here in the Low Country. We talk about all the great things that are happening, you know, all around the world. We talk about New York City. We talk about Boston. We talk about Cleveland, Ohio. We talk about Baltimore, Washington, D.C. But right here in the Low Country, we have people doing great things and trying to make great strides to change the communities that you care about. And tonight, we have a very special guest who's one of those very people. He's actually running a, a campaign right now to become the next U.S. Senator for the state of South Carolina. Thank you so much, Mr. Joe Reynolds. Thanks, Rajon. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm happy to be here and listen to anybody uh, ask any questions and answer any questions you have. Awesome. It's an interesting race. Uh, I'm going up against a, a heavy hitter, Lindsey Graham. He's been around for a long time, and uh, I think it's time for a change. I think people are ready for that. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the very beginning. Um, for those who may not know who Joe Reynolds is, Describe yourself to the people. Well, I, I grew up in a little town in uh, Massachusetts, and I got out at age 17, and I went to the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. And when I graduated, I started going to sea. And I've been going to sea for 30 years. During that time, I've helped our military get their gear over to Iraq, mm. Afghanistan, Korea, all over the world. Uh, it could be anything from Abrams tanks to Apache helicopters to, you know, uh, Christmas turkeys. Mm. And uh, I've, I've also been in the commercial side of things. I've, just recently done a trip with my wife. Um, she's come on board, luckily for me, and uh, we went on a trip over to Europe. I was chief engineer on the on the vessel that I'm on, mm -hmm. and um, we bring all kinds of products overseas, including military products, but also things like uh, blood plasma. Mm -hmm. and anything you can think of that you uh, use today, it probably comes from someplace else, and often it comes from another country. And uh, the clothes you wear, the, the iPads and, and uh, iPhones that you use, they're all coming from somewhere else and ships bring them to you. Mm. And that's what I do. I'm a chief engineer um, and I've been doing that for 30 years and, and uh, I help fix problems on the ship. And uh, now I've looked at a problem in Congress and I kept walking by it and saying there's something broken there. Mm. And as an engineer, it just doesn't sit right when you see something broken and walking by it all the time. I kept thinking somebody's gonna fix it, somebody's gonna do something, and nobody ever did. Wow. So I thought, maybe I'll fix it. Maybe they need a couple engineers up there mm -hmm. to start uh, applying themselves and solving problems. Hmm. Wow. Because that, that actually gets to my next question, which was gonna be, you know, why did you decide to run for office? So I guess, why now? Well, uh, I keep looking at the elections recently, and uh, if you, even if you look at from 2016 to 18, and 18 to 20, it doesn't matter uh, what whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or whether you're an independent, you see that uh, not a lot gets done up there. We yeah. have big issues in the country, things like uh, climate change, uh, immigration problems, um, health care issues for our country, uh, Social Security and Medicare running out of money, uh, the national debt, all kinds of things that are affecting us, and it doesn't seem that our politicians are doing anything about it. They're constantly uh, caring about their next re-election. Mm. And it seems to be more prevalent today than it was even 10 years ago. 
Um, every politician, as soon as the election is over, they worry about the next election. Mm -hmm. And that means spending more time, raising more money, trying to um, get reelected. Because elections cost a lot of money. Yes. I think Lindsey Graham's raised about $12 million. I haven't raised that much. Mm -hmm. But um, money isn't everything. Sometimes uh, going out and talking to people like you, going door to door talking to people, that means something. So I see these politicians going up to Washington. They're spending all their time on getting reelected and not enough time on their constituents. Mm. And I thought, as an engineer, what's the problem here? Why is this uh, happening and how can we fix it? And I thought, well, first, um, we don't have the right people up there. We, we don't have people who are driven with a sense of urgency and direction. We have people who are very good at one thing, getting reelected, mm -hmm. but they're not very good at uh, doing the things, solving the problems that America needs to solve. Absolutely. So um, while they raise money, uh, that's the second part of the problem, uh, the fundraising. It costs more money to run an election and get reelected, and uh, so they raise, um, they spend most of their time raising money. Yeah. This involves lobbyists, PACs, super PACs. And this has kind of infected our system now. The hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on the elections every two years. And what happens in between now? Nothing. We just wait for the next election. Mm -hmm. So all these politicians now are doing is just waiting for 2020. What's going to happen after that? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if we get a new president or we keep President Trump or we get a new Congress or a different Congress. It's going to be the same problems, mm -hmm. but they're still going to be trying to get reelected. Everybody thinks that they can get enough power in the next election, they can control everything. Yeah. Well, that isn't how it works. Right. America's never worked that Absolutely, way. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you saw uh, people like Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan. Um, I was lucky enough to be at Ronald Reagan's inaugural mm. uh, in 1985 mm -hmm. with the Merchant Marine Academy. You see people like them, they, they fought uh, a lot about things that they disagreed on, but at the end of the day, they could come to agreements on how to help America. Mm -hmm. And we just don't see that anymore. Wow. And the reason is there's too much money affecting our politics. Yeah. So I'm only running for one term. That way, that solves part of that problem. When I go up, I'm not going to be uh, chasing the money. I'm not going to be fundraising. I'm not going to be campaigning, not for myself or other people. I'm not raising money for the Republican Party. I'm not raising money for other candidates. Mm -hmm. I spend all my time on the constituents. So that solves one part of the problem. And then the second part of the problem is how do we get some of these people out? Some of these people have been up there for a long time. Yes. 20, 30, 40 years. Yes. Lindsey Graham's been up there for 25 years. Um, a quick story. When I was 10 years old, uh, my dad, uh, I asked my dad if I could watch Happy Days. You know that show, mm -hmm. Happy yep. Days? With hey, Richie, the Fonz. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was on a Sunday night, and he said, no, you can't watch it because mm -hmm. it's on too late. It's a school night. Uh, you, you know all about that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and, uh, and uh, Patrick Leahy and Chuck Grassley were already in Congress. Mm. They were already there. I was 10 years old, 9 years old. I'm a 54-year-old man. They're still there. Wow. These people aren't really part of the solution anymore. They're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. We need fresh people who are driven with a sense of direction and urgency and don't really care about getting reelected. Mm. Lindsey Graham has said... If you're not in this business to get uh, get reelected, you're in the wrong business. Mm. You know, to me that 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 kind of uh, that kind of puts his personal ambition ahead of Americans. Ahead of yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's a mouthful. Um, there there are there has been a question asked. I'm going to hold that question because I think that question is neither here nor there right now. But we'll get to it. Sure. I promise you, Shakim. Sure. I promise. Um, 
so let's talk about where you do stand on, you know, you know, with your platform, you know, on on the big issues that are out there right now. Uh, we know that education, you know, as a former sure. educator, that's something that I care greatly about. What do you think the biggest issue is when it comes to education in our country? And if you've thought about that, have you thought about any viable solutions? Well, I have thought about some solutions. They're not uh, really. I mean, I've researched a little bit, and I don't think it's really gained enough a lot of traction. But obviously, we should have. Um, kids getting educated before kindergarten. Okay. We need to get those kids as they come up because um, by the time they get to five or six, my wife is a, a reading partner. She reads to the kids mm -hmm. at school. And uh, by the time they get to five or six, seven, eight, you know, things are moving too fast for them mm -hmm. and they can't catch up. We need to have kids that are already getting read to, you know, and, and I know parents are busy nowadays. And if it's a broken family or, or there's a single mom, Sometimes she doesn't have time to read at night. Yeah. Now we should have those kids that are four years old, three years old, getting read to regularly. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's part of a solution. Second part is, um, I think that sometimes I look at the European model and I see that uh, they have um, year 13. Mm -hmm. They only have three years of university. Mm. Now if our kids went to university and they only had three years to pay for, that would chop 25% off right, the bill. Right, right, I don't know how much traction that can get. It's just something I've thought about. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there should be some um, funding for public education. But it seems to be getting out of control. So we've we got to be able to figure out why the uh, tuition rates are going so high, mm -hmm. yeah. why it costs so much to go to college or further education. Now, I look at my industry. There's a lot of positions out there that don't need a college education. Yeah. You can go to trade school. And sometimes I heard, uh, I think Amy Klobuchar talk about this, um, we need more plumbers. Mm -hmm. You know, there are plenty, plenty of positions out there that are very creative and uh, interesting positions that require smarts. Mm. I mean, parents get this idea that being a plumber, that, that's a low-grade job. No, it's no, not. No. You make a lot of money as a plumber, and you need to think a lot. There's a lot to being a plumber. There's a lot to be a carpenter or building houses or being an electrician. Mm -hmm. And I see that on ship. You know, when, when I do jobs on ship, the uh, satisfaction you get from figuring out a really hard problem mm -hmm. and solving it and applying it and getting a solution, that's incredible. Mm. So n not everything is about, you know, getting, getting a dream. A four-year degree in college. Some of these kids uh, would be really better served by uh, going to trade school, mm -hmm. being a lineman on power lines. You make a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I think that's one thing that I, I will applaud, um, especially on um, Dorchester County School District for that they just built that technological facility, you know, for students to do get into things like welding. And um, they have these nursing programs that I'm um, trying to detect, like a six-week program that kids that kids can do, you know, right out of school and start making money. Like these are things that we have to invest more in, especially when it comes to our youth. Thank you for that answer. Um, also, thinking along the lines of things that you know are issues when we talk about what's going on in our nation, affordable housing. Um, sure. it's, it's a it's a it's an epidemic that we're, we're definitely facing in our nation, especially when you look at um, downtown Charleston, the downtown Charleston area, as a South Carolinian, um, we look at the gentrification that's happened over over the, the, the years, over the last 20, 20, 30 years, I believe in the 80s, downtown Charleston was about 88 percent African-American. Sure. And now it's hard to find African-Americans that live downtown. So um, that's an interesting thing for me. Um, have you. In your talks, because I know you, you've been able to just sit down with a lot of people during your campaign to talk about um, initiatives that would help with the affordable housing crisis. I haven't talked about affordable housing much, but I do talk to people. I, I, I've worked at Evening at Prayer Church today, you know, feeding the, the, uh, feeding the needy. 
and uh, feeding the elderly. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the woman at, at evening of prayer, I, I, I just wash the dishes. Mm -hmm. They talk about it uh, constantly, the need for, you know, for affordable housing. How can we afford it? Mm -hmm. And I also have a friend who lives down on the east side. He was, you know, he lived across the street from um, that shooting in the mm -hmm. east side. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the way I, I talk to him about what's going on in the east side, and I don't think it's really, um, it's not really a white black thing. Right. It's an old new thing. Absolutely. You know, the new is coming in and the old is going out and people just don't like that mm -hmm. idea. You know, we used to do it this way, but now it's, it's changing. Yeah. And that is unfortunately part of America. You know, we lived in Europe. I lived in England for a number of years because my daughter was growing up there. Um, I moved over there so that I could be close to her. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's a little bit more of a different culture over there. Some of these villages and towns have been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. And in America, it's much faster moving. And in capitalism, um, for all the wealth it's given us, it mm -hmm. all also, you know, has given us some some problems mm -hmm. that we we can't necessarily solve overnight. So that's something that I'll have to look at. Absolutely. Um, healthcare, right? Sure. So, you know, if you watch, you know, if anybody's worth their weight and salt as somebody who cares about it, you probably should be watching debates. And one thing that comes up every single time is healthcare. You know, we um, have the Affordable um, Care Act, was instead, which was just, which was instated by um, President Obama and that that congressional um, body. Um, but there's so much talk about what do we do now that they're trying to pull back a lot of the things that happened with the Affordable Care Act. What what would you, uh, Senator with, with Senator Reynolds, what would you push for as a as a as well? A, first off, it's what I wouldn't do. Okay. I mean, uh, you look at Lindsey Graham and you look at the uh, Attorney General Alan Wilson for the state of South Carolina. They're all on board with repealing the Affordable Care Act altogether. Now, for all its flaws, the Affordable Care Act is providing coverage for a lot of people. Yes. And uh, the idea that we're just going to overturn this law with by filing this lawsuit, Texas versus USA, mm -hmm. and that we're going to overturn this law and all of a sudden the people with pre-existing conditions are not going to get mm, covered. Right. I'm totally against that. In fact, that there are Republican governors and Republican legislatures around the country that are also against it. I believe in Montana, mm -hmm. Ohio, they say we're not signing on to this. Right. People are getting covered through expansion of Medicaid. People are getting covered by the exchanges people with pre-existing conditions are also getting covered. We don't want to take all that away from mm. people. And that's the first thing I'm going to do. I'm not going to uh, remove coverage for those people. Also, there are plenty of parents who have uh, children who are, you know, a little bit older, 21, 22. They can't get on the health uh, insurance because they're so young. Mm -hmm. And the parents uh, are able to cover them with their insurance. Now, overturning the ACA altogether is going to be removing that too. So yes. that's the first thing I'm going to do is n do no harm, mm -hmm. like yes. the doctors like say. Doctors, yes. So there are a couple of uh, a couple of bipartisan plans that are in the Senate. There's a plan with um, Susan Collins and Joe Manchin, and mm -hmm. there's a plan with um, with uh, Lamar Alexander mm -hmm. and, and Patty Murray, which are bipartisan plans that help the ACA, but they don't get a lot of leverage. Mitch McConnell's in charge. And you hear the, these bipartisan plans that would pass, but they don't pass. What's going on? Well, the reason is they're always looking for the next election. Yeah. So yeah. everybody is gaming it and saying, well, maybe not now. Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing, the thing about me is I'm out at sea, and if the ship breaks, there's no maybe next year. Mm. I don't say maybe next year we'll get to it. I don't say maybe after the next election we'll get to it. We have to get to it right now. Yeah. There are people who are, who are suffering, and uh, for all the ACA's flaws, that is a base level that we'll just keep, and then we'll try to 
fix some of the problems. You know, I know small businesses suffer a little bit under the rules. I know that a lot of states don't want to cover to 121 percent of 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 the poverty level. You know, and these are things we can look at, but let's not remove all the protections for people that we've worked so hard to mm -hmm. get. So, first of all, yeah, as a Republican, I want to say I'm not going to do that, mm -hmm. which is different than a lot of uh, things you hear in yeah. Congress right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I actually want to um, applaud you. I just, you know, early on, um, a lot of the things that you've said um, have are, are things that people would not expect to hear from, from the average Republican. Um, so, and I think that speaks to one, the larger issue when we talk about what's going on in our nation right now with sectionalism, um, when we when we go to, to the part, the partisan partisanship has gone too far. Um, this is something I've said quite some time. I know um, President George Washington actually advised against um, using parties in the sure. first place. Um, so, like people ask me, you know, like I can vote for anybody if they align with my interests. And and what what I'm hearing from you is somebody who's willing to be open minded mm -hmm. and think beyond. Just this is the party that I represent, so this is what I think. And I, I want to applaud you for, for being well, open-minded in that way. Uh, Rajon, first and foremost, I'm an engineer. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for American solutions to American problems. I'm not looking to plant ideological flags. Mm. These, uh, these people get elected, politicians, they go to Washington, they plant these flags because it helps them win the next election. Mm. Now, that's a problem. We need more people who are driven by a sense of... Uh, 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 goal-oriented mm -hmm. people like nurses and, and teachers and um, b businessmen and mm -hmm. construct construction workers, people who know how to get to a goal and achieve that. If we had more engineers up there that dug down and wanted to solve a problem, we could do it. Instead, we have a lot of politicians up mm -hmm. there who are looking toward their own personal ambitions. Lindsey Graham has been um, saying how he wants to remain relevant. Um, his goal is to get reelected, mm -hmm. and his personal ambition and his getting a leg up the political ladder, being uh, a person who is in the room where decisions are made, that is first and foremost on his mind. He's going on, you know, Sean Hannity every other night. Yep. He's on the Sunday shows. So he is a person who wants to be in the mix. He's a character, but I don't know if he has character mm. you know what i said i i <laughs> you so i don't know if you watched the show the other night but i had a um a young lady on uh, by the name of uh, shamane mazik and we got on the the topic of um that individual and i i don't want to pick a dog in the fight sure but that's not You're one of my favorite people impartial right host. that's not one of my favorite people right. and, and and i'll tell you why anybody who completely flips their their opinion, their thoughts, process, and the way they do things overnight? I don't trust. I don't. Um, I think a lot of people yeah. feel that way. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a, yeah. a Republican or standing. Yes. If you see that um, he changed his tune one time, yes. he can change his. He tune can change again. his tune right back, and that I don't trust that. I don't. I don't trust duplicitous people, um, and that's not you know an endorsement or. A, but that bother, that bothers me. Um, so, I mean, he, he, ta he, talk <laughs> he talks about uh, a lot of things, but meanwhile, he's up in the Hamptons um, raising money. He's yeah. out in Beverly Hills raising money. These are the elite people of the country. This, this, these are the richest people in the country financing his and other campaigns. Mm -hmm. And we need to really uh, try to press back on that. Our founding fathers really didn't anticipate this level of money 
corrupting our politics. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we really need to start thinking about it. And one of the things that I'm talking about is term limits. Yes, I was going to ask you about so that. So we should have term limits, at least for the Senate. You only get ten, two terms. And if you want to do something for your country, you know your time is limited. Instead, uh, these people have been there 25, 30, yeah. 40 years, and they always know there's another election. Yeah. And that's, Bill, uh, Lindsey Graham said it himself, 85% of the people up there would sell their mother to stay there. Mm. And I think he's one of them. Wow. Um, it's obvious that he's been there a long time, and there are other people out there that are decent, hardworking people that want to serve their country instead of get reelected. And that's what I'm trying to do. Wow. I love that. I love that. Um, wow. So, I mean, in the Merchant Marine, uh, you know, I've, I've served my country by bringing equipment over for the troops to Iraq, Afghanistan, Korea, you know, everything from Abrams tanks to Apache helicopters. I see guys like mm -hmm. you who have been in the Army, served your country, don't come back, don't expect a lot, just, you know, did it, yeah. didn't do it for the money, mm -hmm. didn't do it for the benefits, didn't do it for the prestige, yeah. just did it because you thought it was the right thing to do. A lot of people are like that, and that's who we need more of up mm -hmm. in Congress, and fewer of the people who are up there. Absolutely. So I, I want to make sure that, that the people in the audience who are watching know exactly what it is that a senator does. Because sometimes there, there's a misunderstanding about the capabilities and the responsibilities of a senator. Right. So when you think of what your job and your role would be as Senator Riddles, right. what would that be? Well, we can go over, uh, you know, a little education right now. Uh, Article 1 of the Constitution instituted Congress. We had uh, two branches of Congress, the House of Representatives and the Senate. Mm -hmm. And then Article 2 was the executive branch, and Article 3 was the judicial branch. So we have three co-equal branches of government. Now the founders set this up because they didn't like the way um, England or Br Britain ran their government, mm -hmm. and all these other uh, countries ran their government. Mm -hmm. They kept seeing monarchs take control, and they didn't want that. So they had a system of checks and balances where they had three separate branches mm -hmm. of government. Unfortunately, over the years, the uh, the Congress of the United States has given away their power to the president, mm -hmm. has given away their power to the judges. So now judges make laws, the president makes laws with the executive orders or emergency orders, mm -hmm. and the Congress just gets reelected. Mm -hmm. Now the Senate is a separate branch from the House of Representatives. Absolutely. The Senate has a hundred members. The House of Representatives has four hundred and thirty-five members. Sorry to be giving you a little. No, you're good. Lessons. We're cooking. You know, yes. some, some people, you know, it's like, well, do they? Okay, great. we're big on education. Um, <laughs> and and the Senate is responsible for you know um, passing laws along with the House of Representatives, and uh, they also uh, sign off on the appointments of the executive branch. Mm -hmm. So if you see a Supreme Court uh, justice, go to um, they go to the Senate to get approved. And uh, unfortunately, what's happening now is. The only thing the Senate is doing is a, is nominating, an, or the president nominates the judges, uh, is uh, okaying the judges yeah. of the president. So there's a lot of time spent just up there wandering the hall saying, what's for lunch? Wow. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to say, who cares what's for lunch? We need to start doing things for the country instead of ourselves. And, um, you know, nominating judges is one, and, and approving judges is only one part of the job. Right. We need to get back to... The business of Article One of the Constitution, where we are a co-equal branch mm -hmm. and we have the same power as the president and as the Supreme Court. Yeah. Right now, we're not doing that. So, speaking of Senate, you know, big news has happened today, and I don't know if you want to don't want to get into it. You can sure. absolutely say you can't. You don't sure. want to, and that's fine. No. Um, you know, we 
they just uh, passed over the articles of impeachment yep. for President Trump. Right. Um, what What are your thoughts on this whole process? Well, maybe we'll get into a little education right now. Go for it. The House of Representatives, they vote on the articles of impeachment, and then they send it over to the Senate. So the articles of impeachment are kind of like um, a grand jury indictment. Mm -hmm. You know, you're indicted under these charges. Here are the charges. They send it over to the Senate, and the Senate now is the jury. They uh, have a trial, mm -hmm. so that trial is going to last a few weeks, and President Trump is going to be under some scrutiny in his behavior, and uh, then they'll vote on whether to remove the president. Now, the way it goes, looks like politically mm -hmm. is he won't be removed. Right. However, it is uh, a certain stain on his presidency that he has been impeached. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people ask me, do you support the president? Well, it's not a binary choice. Sometimes I support him, sometimes mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. support him. Uh, a lot of people don't like that answer. You know, sometimes the, the MAGA people don't like to hear that uh, I have mixed views on the president, and sometimes the resist crowd, you know, like you said, this factionalism yeah, in our country, right, right. they don't like Absolutely. to hear. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that the, most of the country, 70% of it lives, lives in, in the, the middle. middle. Yep. The rest live on the edges. They, get to, they have the loudest voices. Mm -hmm. But the middle of the country mostly doesn't pay attention to politics. Maybe they'll, they will this week. I know people want to ask about impeachment. I know they want to ask about what my feelings on President Trump are. I'll say this. I didn't vote for President Trump. I'm not going to vote for him again. Uh, Lindsey Graham didn't vote for President Trump either. I don't know how he's going to vote this time, but you can't really trust Lindsey, so you, you never know what he's going to vote for. So um, I hope that clears it up a little bit. Um, other than that, I'll say if your single issue as a constituent in this state is that um, you demand blind obedience from a U.S. Senator to the President of the United States, I'm not your candidate. Wow. Maybe you need somebody else to do that. Mm. Because uh, when I go up to Washington, it's not to go up there and to, um, you know, change the President's dirty diaper. I'm going up there to serve the constituents of South Carolina and serve the people of the United States. I'm not up there. The President is up there. Uh, he's getting impeached because he of his own personal behavior mm -hmm. he gets in trouble because of his own personal behavior now as a conservative as a republican we used to i used to remember a time when um you know you were accountable for yeah. your personal behavior yeah. and uh that uh you stood up if you failed we didn't mind if you failed but you stood up and you said i made a mistake right. and and uh, and i'm going to correct that well that's not something we hear nowadays so i'm not going up there to bail out the president the president is responsible for his behavior, and if he behaves poorly, then he's going to get in trouble. Now, people can say the Democrats are out to get him. Mm -hmm. Of course they are. They can say the media is biased. Yes, it is, but that's irrelevant. Absolutely. What's relevant is whether the president committed the acts he's mm -hmm. accused of and whether these acts are worthy of impeachment and whether he should be removed from office. Absolutely. So now we're going to have a trial. Uh, I'd like to see what the president's defense is. So far, he's blocked all testimony from anybody who yeah. could defend him. So I'm a little concerned by that. It signals, you know, in, in a regular criminal court, it wouldn't signal your guilt. Mm -hmm. But we're not in a regular criminal court. When you block all testimony, testimony from relevant witnesses, it kind of signals, you know, you're worried about something. So yeah. I don't know why he's doing it. I, won't, I don't know why he's withholding all the documents. Some people say, well, the Democrats are out to get him. Well, you know, if these documents and these witnesses are going to... Um, exonerate him, maybe they should show up and, yeah. and, and prove their point. Absolutely. And I'm willing to hear what he has to say. You know, there's possibly some mitigating factors. I don't know what they are mm -hmm. yet. 
Yeah. But let's hear the case. Awesome, awesome answer. Thank you. Once again, just your open-mindedness is is refreshing. Refreshing in a time where our nation is so segmented that this conversation rarely would happen. Well, I'm gonna get it from both sides. Don't no, worry. No, me. but I, but I, but I just want to tell you from from me. I I appreciate it because I'm not I'm not a resist person or a MAGA person. I'm somebody who just looks at things with an open mind sure. and says, what are the facts? And you know, what can we get from the facts that we, we see? So thank you so much for that. I don't think any politician or any person in this country really wants an impeachment. Mm -hmm. They don't want presidents to be impeached. They don't no. want this kind of um, thing to go on. It's, it's very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Most people just live their lives. They don't pay attention to politics. You know, they want to do their civic duty and, and they do it once every couple of years. Mm -hmm. They don't really, you know, they have busy lives to lead. And politics comes way at the bottom of yes, the list sometimes. Yes. So when you're asking them to get involved and invested in an impeachment trial, as we're trying to do, you know, it's tough on a lot of people. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about your roadmap. What, what is the roadmap to Joe Reynolds becoming the senator of South Carolina? Well, uh, let's try to clear up some things on the primary circuit. Mm -hmm. There's a couple things people get confused about. There's the presidential preference primary. That's in February. Mm -hmm. It's called First in the South. South Carolina is the first in the South to have a primary. So it's Iowa, New Hampshire, then South Carolina. Mm -hmm. That's the presidential preference primary. Of course, this year you, you noticed that the Republican Party, my party, they said that uh, we're going to cancel the presidential mm -hmm. preference primary and we're just going to decide that President Trump gets all the electoral votes from us for the primary. Um, I disagreed with that. Mm -hmm. Next is the South Carolina primary. That primary is June 9th. That's the important primary. Have a look on my website. Mm -hmm. uh, that's an important primary. That's all your congressional U.S. Senate races. That's uh, your state legislative races you, you, and other offices. So pay attention because you got a few elections this year and you got to keep up. And then you have the general election in November where the rest, uh, you know, the finalists run. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's three elections really in South Carolina. There's presidential preference primary. If you want to vote for one of the Democrats, there's a Democratic ballot for you. Then there's the regular South Carolina mm -hmm. primary in June. June. That's all your legislative races, all your state races. And then there's the general election in November. And that, my, I have to win the Republican you have primary, to win the primary in, in June, June to get to the November election. So I have to beat Lindsey Graham in June. And hopefully I'm going to drag some people who have been sitting home all this time. Yeah. And they're going to think, well, you know, this guy, I like the cut of his, uh, uh, I, I like the way he's going. Yeah. And, you know, he's a moderate person. He's interested in solutions to problems. Then maybe I'll have a look at what he has to say. Um, you know, primary voters tend to pick the candidates, but there aren't many people who vote in the primaries. Mm -hmm. We have to get more people to vote in the primaries. Right now, uh, last uh, primary, I think Governor McMaster in the primary. There were 900,000 votes. So there's 600,000 people, Republicans alone, who aren't showing up to the primary. Mm -hmm. Now I look at somebody like Joe Cunningham, and he's a moderate Democrat, and, and he managed to uh, squeak out a victory in District 1. There are a lot of Republicans that voted for him. I want to say to those Republicans, it's safe to come back. Mm. I'm, I, I believe in climate change. Yeah. I believe in LGBTQ rights. Mm -hmm. I understand that offshore drilling is a problem and we don't want to have it off our coast. So these are uh, moderate positions that I take and that a lot of South Carolinians agree with. Mm -hmm. So I think if I can drag some more, some of the disaffected Republicans back into the Republican yeah. Party, yeah. if I can 
uh, get people who are disillusioned with Lindsey Graham because they've seen him change his tune so many times. Um, if I can get some um, more people interested in the primary, then I, had, I think I have a shot. Absolutely. I got to get my name out there. Though. I, I think I think you have a shot, man. Right. I, I think you have a shot. Um, I'm I'm a believer. Good. I'm a believer. Um, and this is the first time that we met. This is not like a pre plan that y'all know no, I don't pre plan no, no. my interviews and no. stuff like that. Um, I guess the last thing I want to ask you is I, I want you really to lay out, you know, to the people who are watching who are out there who may be, you know, on that fringe. Um, what does, uh, if everything goes the way you want it to go, mm. 10 years from now, I'd like to ask you this question. Mm. What change have you made as a result of you being becoming a senator? Uh, I want to have term limits for senators. You only get to have two terms in Congress. I want to have a, a work week. I want to bring an ethics rule to the Senate where when you go up to Washington, that's the work week. You're not up there to raise money. You're not allowed to raise money when you go up to Washington. If you want to raise money for your next reelection, you can do that on your own time. Mm -hmm. But that's your constituents' time. That's America's time that we're paying you for up in Congress. We, you know, spending your time in a cubbyhole dialing for do dollars, it's, it's really unseemly for a U.S. Senator or a Congressman to be doing that. And we need to have a, a, a more um, unified sense of purpose as a country. If I see that after I leave after six years, that'd be fantastic. If we have Democrats and Republicans trying to figure out the solutions that we need as Americans to move forward as a country, that'd be great. And I'd like to see our country seen around the world as a beacon of liberty uh, and justice. And, and, and people around the world still believe in that, I mm -hmm. think. And they're just wondering what's going on. And uh, I think that you know there's political prisoner in in Iran or there's a there's an earthquake in in Pakistan or there's somebody uh, in a camp internment camp in China you know and their backs are against the wall they don't think well maybe Italy will help us mm. when their backs against the wall they think maybe America maybe America will do something and that's the kind of country we are we have been and we should be right now we're kind of um, walking away from that, and I, I want to see us step back into the fray. Wow. Thank you so much. All right, Rachel. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me, man. For, for those who, oh, if they want to follow you, where can they, where can they get their information? Please go to Reynolds2020.com. I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can email me if you have a question. You can uh, post on Facebook. I, I like to reply to people. So uh, have a look, Reynolds2020.com. Reynolds2020. And remember, the primary is June 9th. June 9th. Mrs. Reynolds made sure that we knew to say that. So, right. Ms. Reynolds, we checked the box. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys so much for joining me. As you know, my name is Ray John Lewis, and this has been Real Talk with Jean. I'm trying to pull up my closing script, but that's okay. I know it. I want to thank you guys for joining me this week. Thank you so much to Joe Reynolds. Please check him out at www.joereynolds2020.com. Uh, Reynolds2020.com. Reynolds2020.com. Go there, check him out, and find out more information about him, his campaign. And if you have questions that he was not able to answer tonight because you're watching on replay or you're listening on the podcast, please be sure to inbox him. Or you can inbox me and I'll send him the questions because he seems to be a pretty open guy and open to answering questions. And I have my script. Anything you want to say before I close? Thanks, Rajon. Thanks, everybody. I hope to see you out there. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for watching this week. Reminder that the show is now split into two parts. On Wednesdays at 7 p.m., I do the local celebrity spotlight. And on Sundays at 7 p.m., I do my normal live show. This week's local celebrity spotlight is actually going to shine on... I can't remember the name of the place. I'm sorry. 
watch next week. It's gonna be great. Um, Marion's house. Marion's house. That's it's gonna good. be great. It's gonna be great. <laughs> if you're doing something in the community that you would like a light shine on, please reach out to me on the Real Talk lines or go to my website, which is www.realtalkwithrajan.com, so we can talk about getting you on the show. This and all of my shows, in addition to the Car Chronicles series, is now available for your listening pleasure via Apple, Google, Spotify, and any place that you can find podcasts. You can also find it on my website, www.realtalkwithrajan.com. If you'd like to be made aware of when I go live, because sometimes it is unscheduled, please be sure to click the follow or subscribe tab on the page and turn on the notifications so you'll know when something new has been posted to the page. In the meantime, please follow me on social media to stay up to date with what's happening on Real Talk with Rajan. You can pretty much find me by going to Real Talk Rajan anywhere on social media. Feel free to leave comments, questions, or whatever else you'd like to say in the comment section or the message section. I love reading your messages and getting the feedback, even if it's negative. I am not, I do not want to live in a silo of how great I am. I want you to let me know how I can get better. So if you watched it and you liked it, say, hey, Rajan, I like the show. And this is why. If you watched me like, hey, Rajan, I hated your show. This is why I'm good with that. Um, I'm currently accepting speaking engagements um, and event hosting opportunities. If you'd like for me to speak at or host your event, you can request me to be on my website. And in closing, always remember, always remember, God is everything and without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he's bound to fall for anything. That's real talk. I'll see y'all next week. Peace.